It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, hurrah, boys, hurrah. Down with the traitor, up with the star. While we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again. Shouting the battle cry of freedom. Good morning. Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only at KNews 98.5. I'm Stu Jenkins. I've practiced law in San Luis Obispo County since 1978 and served as Superior Court Special Master and as an elected Harbor Commissioner at Port San Luis. I pull back the curtain on the connections between state and local public policy and the law by bringing in officials, lawyers, and activists working on your behalf. In our second hour, you will meet an elected official and activist who has worked for decades to improve Oceano where a lot of competing policy debates are going on. But today, we are privileged in our first hour to hear from two members of the press. I like that word, the press. It is the press, which historically is referred to as the fourth estate, that plays a very important role guaranteeing that our democratic, republican form of government serves its citizens. So let me introduce two of the young reporters who have been turning out story after story at the San Luis Obispo County Tribune, Ms. Stephanie Zappelli and Mr. John Lynch. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on, Steve. It's great to have both of you. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to start with you, Stephanie. Uh, what's your background and experience? How did you uh, end up being a reporter for the Tribune? Well, um, I went to Cal Poly and I studied journalism there. I, I started working at Mustang News, which is the college paper, when I was a sophomore in college. And I loved it. I think the first story I wrote was actually for a class. And it was a slow city council meeting about um, an affordable housing development that there was some community resistance toward. But eventually the city council accepted it anyway. Um, and it, I don't know, it was fun to like see people engage in their community and um, get to know a side of slow city that I didn't experience a lot um, at school. Um, but I, and are you from uh, this area or are you from another part of California? I'm from San Diego. That's where I grew up. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, welcome to a slightly cooler climb. Yes, <laughs> thank you. And slightly wet, wetter. Uh, I went to law school in San Diego, so uh, you know, I, I remember when uh, they'd get an inch of rain and they thought it was a flood. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's the feeling of in San Diego. <laughs> well, John, how about you? What, what's your background and experience, and how did you get into this gig? Uh, admittedly a little different. Uh, I'm from the Midwest originally. I'm from the uh, state of Wisconsin, and then I went to school in Indiana. I went to Ball State University, or the Harvard of Muncie, as our most famous alumnus <laughs> likes to call it. Um, I... I didn't know exactly what I was going to do in terms of my career until kind of the last year of high school, and then I saw that there was an open journalism class available, took it instead of taking math, uh, which is the ultimate bane of my existence, and uh, it kind of dictated my future in a way that I didn't expect to. And then once I graduated college, I cast a really wide net and uh, end up out here instead of uh, in the Midwest where I'm from. And your uh, beat, as I understand it, is basically housing and homeless issues, uh, very much the same thing that got Stephanie into the, into the journalism arena. Yeah, that's right. And ironically, it was really hard to, for me to find a house when I came out here. It was a <laughs> uphill battle. I, I worked uh, remotely for like five weeks uh, wow. before I actually was able to find a place, lock it in, and get out here in person in August of last year. 
Well, I, we're, we're glad you made it. Thank so, you. Um, now, now, is your degree in journalism? Yeah, it is. From, from the Harvard of Muncie? Yeah, it is. And your degree is in journalism, Stephanie? Yes. Okay. Um, your individual beat is a little broader, uh, although I noticed there's some overlap in your stories. Uh, I understood that your beat was the county government, but it looks to me when I look at your stories about Morro Bay and turnabouts and, and other parts of other communities that you're, uh, you're generally covering all governments. Yeah, um, I focus on slow county government, but I also cover Los Osos and Morro Bay. And also, if there's anything anything else that the Tribune needs to cover and I have uh, some free time, I'll cover that as well. Sure. I, I imagine you both get assigned to car crashes when they need somebody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, when I was uh, growing up, the way and I ran the longest-running underground newspaper at San Luis High back in the day, um, the way we would get stories and the way I understood journalists got stories was they hung out, they interviewed people, they they uh, dug into things and got sources and sometimes confidential sources to get their stories. Uh, is that the process that you find today or is it is it a little different? I would say that, yeah, definitely going out into the community and meeting folks, meeting community leaders, meeting um, elected officials, you kind of grow a, um, a network of contacts and people will share information, share stories um, that will follow. I think also in the digital age, we find a lot of stories on Nextdoor. Um, mm -hmm. You see a lot of community controversies spike there, uh, so we can kind of jump in and cover those things. Um, also looking at meeting agendas, um, things like that. I, I noticed uh, you had a story I think it was today, uh, Stephanie, about a uh, plane that suddenly had to, an emergency landing around King City. And uh, it looked to me when I started reading it that it, it was from the Facebook pages of the Monterey County Sheriff's Office. Yeah. It, it, do you have to follow those or do you get alerts from um, those kinds of Facebooks, Facebook pages? Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about now is... Sheriff's offices, police departments, fire departments, they will put their news releases on social media. And that's generally the fastest way to get information from them, um, besides actually going to the scene of the fire or the plane crash or what have you. So an old saw back like me who doesn't use Facebook uh, is totally in the dark until I open the paper or you know, go to the, the internet newspapers in the county. Well, if you're dying to have it, you can always sign up for their releases directly to your email, but then you'd get a whole lot of those. So. Oh, yeah. So. So they still send those out to you oh, yeah. by email. Okay. Yeah. okay. That, that's interesting. And the, uh, when you get one of those, uh, do you basically distill it into a story or do you spend some time, do you have the time, uh, are you paid to have the time to be able to call them up or email, uh, say, the uh, sheriff's office in Monterey County to find out more details? I'd say that that kind of depends on the situation. Uh, a lot of the time with press releases, plenty of them can be taken at face value, especially if it's you know stuff that you don't have to be information that doesn't require a high level of engagement and criticism to you know understand its its truth or not. You have to take each release and make sure that everything is verifiably true. That's an important part of it. And then if you do need to get clarifications, yeah, absolutely call the uh, agency that the release comes from. Call people that are mentioned in it. Get in contact with them as best you can. But you know, if you need things turned around quickly, yeah, you've got to par paraphrase, be smart, you know, remember to be skeptical, but 
to account all the information. And folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, and we're here with John Lynch and Stephanie Zappelli of the San Luis Obispo Tribune, and we're talking about journalism. And, and you know, to be frank, um, I think there's a lot of lists, listeners of K News who aren't necessarily satisfied that there's enough critical. I, I liked your your examination of that issue. Uh, is there time to be critical and look behind the story? And I think there's a lot of listeners of K News who, um, if I asked them, you know, what do you think of the San Luis Obispo Tribune? They'd think. They tell me, oh, it's a newsletter for the official establishment. Um, there's not enough critical uh, examination of the press releases that come out. Um, is that fair? Do you think that's fair? I could say, yeah. I mean, in, in press releases in particular, I mean, there are so many of them, and you have to keep up with the pace of news. I'm sure that stuff doesn't always go exactly as we plan it to okay. or exactly as, as it's needed to. But, um, you know, we do so much work that isn't that. You know, the bulk of our work is made up of, you know, more in-depth stories, stories that require a lot of examination of different mm -hmm. sources, different perspectives. And I feel like on those stories, we generally do a good job of digging in deep, getting as many perspectives as possible, giving our readers, you know, a nice, huh? deep and enriched story. And, yeah. and, and I think that's what people are looking for. Stephanie, you... Absolutely. And I think when we're talking about finding press releases on Facebook from the sheriff's office or Cal Fire, we're talking about... For example, we get a lot of Cal Fire, Cal Fire will post on Twitter when there's an active fire, and sometimes their press people aren't available at that moment because they're dealing with the fire. So right. in those situations, it's important to public safety for us to public, publish quickly, mm -hmm. and then we can go back and call the spokesperson of Cal Fire and make sure that you know we got all the details nailed down, You know the fire was this large, whatever. When we're talking about government accountability, I think the Tribune does do a good job of that, mm -hmm. and we take deep dives and we ask difficult questions um, and, you know, we make sure to verify our facts and pull back the curtain. We're not writing from press releases um, for, a, you know, all mm -hmm. for county government stuff or city government stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, the, the uh, and I think content, getting, getting a good content for a paper is I, I think I was sharing uh, with both of you before we went on the air today. Uh, I walked by a bank, and there was a copy of the Tribune out in front of the bank. The bank still subscribes, you know, so that they can have it for their customers. That's nice. And I was just shocked at how thin the paper had become. Now, I get alerts. Uh, I subscribe to the Tribune. Um, I'm going to encourage all of my listeners to subscribe to the Tribune and CalCoast News and the Paso Robles uh, Daily Pre Press and the Paso Robles News Daily News and the Atascadero News and any other newspaper you can get locally because they all give you a little bit different information. Um, but, you know, content has become a real big challenge from what I glean from editors and, and uh, publishers in this area and elsewhere. Uh, I, I noticed the other day that this really caught my eye. It was on the 12th of May. And here was a big story. Lompoc man who crashed plane for YouTube video takes plea deal, admits obstructing investigation. And it wasn't authored by a reporter. It was authored by uh, a representative of the U.S. Attorney's Office. So it was a, a entire news story. It even has his picture. I, you can't see this on radio. <laughs> but um, 
it, it was an entire news story that had been published by the paper that had been generated by the uh, Public Information Office of the uh, Federal Attorney's Office. Are you finding more of that seeping into uh, what happens at the newspaper? I think that, um, well, one thing that the Tribune has is we have a partnership with NewsHawk in Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. which is um, their local paper, and we're able to republish their articles. Yes. Um, I'm not familiar with this article that you're speaking about. John and I, we're, we don't really have um, decision-making over what other uh, non with stories besides our own that are published. You're, but you're, you're not the editors. Yeah, we're not the editors. No, you're not. Uh, and, uh, I, I'm just given that you can take those. I, I actually print things out. I'm old, um, old school. But yeah, yeah I would yeah. say as our, our staff gets, mm -hmm. you know, our staff is smaller than it used to be, and um, we all work really hard to deliver the news, but definitely I can see the Tribune drawing from, I mean, definitely NewsHawk um, and the AP wire and things like that to well, and, and, fill up pages. And, and I'm not criticizing. What I'm, what I'm commenting on is the evolution of the news business mm -hmm. here where you have uh, news stories that are actually put together. Um, I was uh, talking to a reporter years ago about something that seemed really significant and uh, that I'd read in the, I'm one of those people who reads the classified ads, what's left of them, mm -hmm. and the public notices. And uh, the reporter didn't know that there was a specific set of meetings on a subject they were covering because they didn't happen to read those kinds of things that were published in the paper itself. And I, I wonder if there's a... Uh, it, that's too small to read. You have to look at that page. It's a it's, slow cog meeting? It's in today's paper. Um, actually, it's a federal meeting on uh, funding for uh, improvements for transportation. Mm -hmm. But... Um, but anyway, those are, those are things that uh, I know um, there's a public notice requirement and presumably people are, are, are going to read those, but I know most people, they skip that and go on to something else because it's uh, pretty dry. Sure. And, and uh, I think that's where good journalists like yourselves have the opportunity to dig in and find out more about those stories so that people can uh, decide whether they're important for them to log into or attend. So, I, I uh, well, that was my comment. I don't mean to go editorial on you all. Uh, no, that's okay. Are you pitching this meeting to us? <laughs> um, I'm pitching that you take a look at that notice and see if it's important. Yeah. Um, Check it out. You know, I, I had uh, a terrible illness in uh, uh, 2015 and 2016, so I was on the couch for a long time, and uh, I did two things. I watched the primaries for the president that year, and, and I uh, read the public notices. Uh, right on. <laughs> published in the paper. Found out a lot of good stuff. Mm. Now, um, I thought uh, there were a couple stories, John, that mm -hmm. you had published recently, and uh, folks, you're listening to K News. Slow County Public Policy in the Lawn. We're talking with John Lynch and Stephanie Zappelli of the uh, Tribune. There was a uh, story about the approval of a new way to increase housing uh, that you published, John, and um, that was on a whole new project of high-rises for affordable housing. Mm -hmm. um, I, what I was curious about in the process of that was where you got the information that that you were able to turn into that news story. And this was on BB Street, I think. It was a 
Yeah. Um, so for stuff like this, you know, whenever uh, the city council or in Stephanie's case, the, you know, the board of supervisors mm-hmm. votes to approve certain pieces of policy, uh, obviously the first thing that we're going to do is recount exactly what they did, the uh, decisions that they made, what the policy entails, that kind of stuff. Well, and, and I guess my question goes a little deeper. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Do you go to the meetings or do you end up watching them online oh. uh, from afar or do you, do you look at the recordings of them? Uh, actually, all three. So it kind of okay. depends on like level of interest. So if there's something that's really got a lot of community interest, we're usually going to be there in person to try mm-hmm. to speak with people who have attended the meeting, that kind of stuff. Um, for convenience, it's awesome that uh, I personally think it's awesome that a lot of the city and county government functions are available to watch online. You know, if we're swamped and we can't get someone out there, then yeah, you're going to have to watch it online or check out a recording later. Um, but yeah, it starts with you know, usually we'll re- if if we're assigned to a certain beat, we'll read these meeting agendas ahead of time. So that we know what's coming up, we can kind of see like, okay, there is something to look out for in this meeting. Keep an eye out, be smart. Um, and the first step is always to, you know, report exactly what's going on in the meeting. You know, the actual contents of the policy, all that stuff. And if we need further clarification, we usually come back afterwards, talk to the people who are involved in the creation of the policy. That can be city staff, that can be the officials who are making the decisions, or we can talk to, you know, the organizations that might be benefiting. So, for example, in this uh, story that you gave me here, uh, I believe that, you know, the Housing Authority of San Luis Obispo, Haslow, uh, we go in and quote them not only from the meeting, but I think I also asked them some questions afterwards to clarify some of the things that they were asking for in these funding. So requests. you dug into it? Yeah. Yeah, good. Okay. For sure. I had to date these because somehow the dates didn't print out on them, but uh, you had a significant story about uh, two supervisors meeting with the uh, residents of the safe parking area out by the county jail, mm-hmm. and uh, another one, that, that was from, I think, the 8th of May or so, mm-hmm. and then on the 11th of May, you had a good story here about the uh, city of San Luis Obispo and here's the headline, um, which is an editorial headline, I hope you'll admit. Slow admits, invests uh, $150,000 in homeless prevention assistance programs. Um, and then it lists the, it lists how that happened and what the money went to. Um, and and I, what I thought was interesting about these two was it looked to me like one of them involved a lot more requirement to interview, and uh, one of them looked a little more like it was uh, based on the release that was sent out. So I, I just wondered if you could tell us about the differences between those two stories. Well, yeah, okay. So this one about the safe parking site visit that uh-huh. these uh, two supervisors made um, was something that I got a heads up from from someone who lives on the parking site. So I, I know my fair share of people who live there. I know people like homeless individuals throughout the city and, and county. Uh, and when uh, one of these residents, Dave Richford, uh, gave me a heads up. He said, you know, hey, uh, we've been speaking with the supervisors. We've got two of them coming out mm-hmm. on this day. Would you like to come out and, you know, see what they have to say, see how they're going to interact with us? Because, you know, the board was uh, less than a week away from making some pretty big policy decisions about what the future of that site would look like. Um, and I said, yeah, of course, I'd love to get out there and see what they're, what they're saying. And uh, I think that it was a really interesting chance to kind of see, you know, people with a lot of power uh, interacting with the people that their policies would directly, you know, affect. Well, and I think what's interesting to me, mm-hmm. I think to a lot of our listeners, was uh, that sounds like some of the individuals who are homeless, well, they're not exactly homeless, they're living in their RV or their vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, but they were calling on you to be there because they needed the sunlight of the press to help them with their public officials. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, is, is that a fair assessment? Well, you know, the, the meeting that they were going to have with, with the supervisors was going to happen regardless of me being there. And oh, yes. You know, I was just there to drop in and then speak with the supervisors and the residents after the fact. You know, I, I, wanted, I wanted the meeting to go exactly as, as they had, had needed it to go. But I wanted to be able to recount it and allow people to see, you know, what that meeting was like. Sure, sure. Because, um, it's, again, it's important. Well, I think it's important, too. I, and I uh, thought that was really good coverage. Uh, the other one, uh, I'm not saying it's bad coverage, um, that it raised a question for me because, um, as I, as you may know, I sued the city of San Luis Obispo back in 2012 and got a restraining order against the police chief and the city attorney and the city itself because they were uh, driving homeless people out of town, literally. Um, uh, they would come down on their uh, RVs at four in the morning when their children were sleeping and uh, climb on the roofs and beat on the doors and tell them that uh, they were cited for a misdemeanor and they had to leave town. Um, I'm summarizing. But uh, what interested me about this story was it showed that $150,000 was being given out to various nonprofit entities to help various uh, ways to mitigate homelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, Boys and Girls Club got a little bit. Uh, Capslow got a little bit. Uh, what, what struck me was whether or not you uh, had the opportunity uh, or had others, you know, older hands at the paper who could bring you the history because that figure was about the same amount that the city was paying out in 2012 when I sued the city. Um, and it was the same kind of structure where there were uh, small grants that were given out to a whole host of different uh, nonprofit uh, organizations, um, and whether you were able to analyze whether that amount that's been given out almost every year in the same kind of structure was having any good effect to actually uh, mitigate homelessness. Oof. That's there. Um, so yeah, when we were working on stories like this that you know have existing context behind it, our editors will, of course, if they see something, step in and be like, "Hey, keep an eye on that. This is an existing piece of context that you may not be aware of." I will admit wholeheartedly that I am not perfect. I've lived in this county for nine months. Nobody's um, perfect. Don't, yeah. Don't worry. Um, and in terms of accountability, we like to think that we can do what we can to check in on these programs, see how they're mm -hmm. doing. You know, uh, according to this particular story, this is covering 29 different programs that ended up getting, you know, some chunk of this pot. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I wasn't able to follow up with every single one of them and, you know, do a performance review for every single one. But we certainly like to, um, you know, follow up and make sure that everything's working smoothly. Folks, we're going to have to take a little break for news uh, from a different source. And uh, we're going to have some ads and we're going to be back with John Lynch and Stephanie Zappelli of the Tribune uh, right after this break. Stay tuned.